Hello everyone, welcome to Reason for Hope once again, we're glad you're joining us <laughs> today, hope you're doing well, Reason for Hope, in case it's your first time, or if you forgot since yesterday, is an hour long live broadcast, which is guided by your questions on the Bible, that's right, you can send in your questions through the multiple online platforms where we stream live to, and we will use God's Word, the Bible, to find the answers to those questions, so there might be a verse or passage of scripture that you'd like explained a little more, maybe uh, you know something you're going through in your own life or lifestyles, things going on in the world, and you wonder how that relates to things in the Bible, what God says about these things, maybe even other religions and worldviews, maybe contradictions you may think be uh, you think are in the Word or something like that. Any honest question you have, as long as you know that uh, God's Word, the Bible, is the source of the answers for us here on A Reason for Hope. So we're very glad that you're joining us. However. You have found us, whatever platform you're on. I'll be going over all those in just a moment. And we're very glad for your questions. So please do send them in. I'll be monitoring those as they come in and we'll try and parcel out the time for those on today's show here at Reason for Hope. My name is Dave Robson. As I said, I'll be your host today and fielding those questions as they come on in. With us today is Pastor Scott Richards. He's a senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Great. Yeah, just uh, the two of us, you can uh, pray for my right-hand man, protege, all-around good guy, Sean Richards. He's a little under the weather. Yes. So rather that. than sharing that glorious condition with us, he uh, followed through yeah. on... Uh, what I consider a law of the Medes and the Persians mm -hmm. among our staff. Yes. If uh, any of our staff people decide to play hero and show up while they're sick, yeah. they are immediately terminated. That's right. <laughs> with extreme prejudice. That's right. No, uh, we yeah. just... So you never snatch. Yeah, I, I just I just give them ma maximum stink eye and yeah, send right. them home. That's that's. You never have to put on a, a you know a, a exaggerate your sick voice when you're calling in sick here. Just mention the word you're sick, and it's like please stay home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have to ham it up like no, I'm really really sick. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes <laughs> because we love serving the Lord, you know, we don't want to miss a day. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy to kind of play hero and say, well, I'm not that bad off. But uh, I can remember a couple of times early on in our history at Calvary Christian Fellowship, uh, a staff person with the flu or two tried to do that, and pretty soon it ran through the whole staff, yeah. and pretty soon there's nobody to minister to anybody. That's right. So no heroes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Stay home. Yeah. Have your NyQuil. Uh, whatever you need, your Pepto-Bismol, yes. uh, and keep it to yourself. Yes. Thank you very much. That's right. That's our policy. And that's but anyway, pray Sean for Sean too. that he would yeah. feel better quickly, and we sure miss him here today. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. He's definitely a staple here on the show. So, yeah, praying for you, Sean. I'm sure you're probably joining us if you're awake right now out there on the interwebs. Uh, but we hope to see you back when you're well, and only then, <laughs> allegedly. Yes. Yes, that's right. Well, once again, as I mentioned, the Reason of Hope, it's, it's a live broadcast. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. here in Tucson, Arizona, Mountain Standard Time. And we're glad that you're joining us wherever you are all around uh, the world. You can go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. Uh, that's a good home base for you. If you go to that uh, Watch Live tab, it will take you out to our live page. Whenever we're live, we stream there. So you'll see a, a, a schedule of upcoming events and a countdown to the next show. Uh, but if we're live like we are right now, you'll see the video playing and you can sign in with a username and view us there. And there's a chat function. You can send uh, me a message there with your question. And again, we, we gratefully received those questions today as the show is guided by that. So the direct link you can type straight into your address bar, ccftucson.online.church, that's ccftucson.online.church, or follow the link uh, from calvarychristianfellowship.com, that watch live 
tab right there. So that's one way you can watch us. You can also join us on Facebook. Look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson on Facebook. Facebook.com slash CCF Tucson if you want to put that address in there. Don't forget to like and share while you're there. We'd appreciate you doing that. Um, that's also another way that I will be receiving your questions. So put them in the chat uh, function, the chat box, and I will be right there with you. And I will throw those questions out here to, to Scott as we go along. Uh, we have a, a, a mobile app as well. If you look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store, whether that's iPhone or Android. And uh, we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV as well because we're just fancy like that. So look for us in your channel store. Add us as a channel and you can watch us there on the big screen uh, as well. On the app, you can send your question in. On those other platforms, there isn't a chat function, but um, you can send them in through one of the other um, resources as well. We're on YouTube, of course. Uh, a Reason for Hope is the name of the channel there on YouTube. A Reason for Hope. If you go to that uh, live tab, anytime we've been live, it uh, automatically archives there. So if you missed a show, or you want to recap something, or check out you know, our services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship or other events that we've had, you can do all that right there on YouTube. That's a good resource. And as I said, we're live there as we speak or as I speak. Don't forget to, to like and subscribe and click that notification bell and that will give you a little notification anytime we go live so you won't have to miss anything. Uh, Pastor Scott here is on Twitter, which I understand they're rebranding as X. X. <laughs> X. So is it not Twitter anymore at all? X. <laughs> X Twitter. Um, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah just the, uh, the, the bad jokes are abounding. Yeah. Uh, you, do we call them tweets anymore because that's a modification of Twitter? Yeah. Uh, do you say, uh, as my ex says? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it, just, it goes on and on. Yeah, that's very I, uh, my prediction, I'm not prophesying here, but my prediction is there's so much pushback on this. And it's yeah. Elon Musk and you know, he has SpaceX and all of this. And I right, think he wanted okay. a link to it all. But uh, I think it has been so roundly rejected, it will probably be revert back to uh, Twitter yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's so astonishing. Unless he's uh, insanely stubborn. And I guess when you've got uh, all the money in the world, you can be you insanely are, stubborn yeah. as long yeah. as he likes it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, so whatever it is now. Yeah. The, the platform formerly known as Twitter, we're there still, as far as I know. Uh, you can follow Scott there, Scott R for H. Uh, that's Scott, letter R, number four, letter H. And he posts various things there, highlights from the show and uh, commentary on things going on in the world, including you know uh, things relating to Bible prophecy and end times and things like that. And you know probably Twitter changing the name to X and all that kind of stuff. So follow along with Scott there on Twitter, Scott R for H. We're on Rumble as well. As far as I know, it's still called that, Rumble, <laughs> A Reason for Hope, Bible <laughs> yes, Q. And I, I think so. Yes. yes. We're not live there, but we post um, uh, archive videos there as well. So uh, questions of the week and things like that. So check that out if you're on that platform. And then we have an email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. You can email us there and we'll be receiving those as well. Uh, if you join us on the radio, we're glad you're there and listening on Reach Radio or one of the affiliates. Uh, do drive safely if you're on your drive time. You are listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded, so we're not live with you per se, but uh, don't forget that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com, and we'll try and get to that question if you send it in on our next show. But those other aforementioned platforms, we are live as can be. And once again, send your questions in, get them in early. We'd love to parcel out the time for those today on the show, just me and Pastor Scott today. So he's got his work cut out for him, but 
I've seen it happen. I swear. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more fun than talking about God's oh, word. I know, so, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, but uh, definitely a call to prayer. Yes. Boy, if, if we don't pray, we're, we're dead in the water here. So <laughs> <That's right. laughs> let's pray. Father, yeah. thank you so much for your presence here. And thank you, Lord, that we get to talk about your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is just to take a step back and think about how perfect, how loving, how just, how wise your son uh, was in his earthly ministry and, and how those attributes are reflected, even in how you minister in and through us through the power of your spirit today. Lord, we want to understand more about you. We want to know you uh, better personally. Uh, we, we want to have a deeper love relationship with you and a deeper understanding of your ways and what it means to walk in your wisdom uh, at the end of this program than when we started. And Lord, what a beautiful thing it is to know that you are even more committed to that project than we could ever be. And so we ask in Jesus' name that you would do these things. And uh, we don't use the term in Jesus' name like some kind of open sesame or magic uh, incantation. Uh, we do this asking because we know this is exactly what your son would want for us, mm -hmm. to walk in your spirit and to walk in your truth. So guide us and direct us uh, in our conversation. Uh, anoint Dave and I and uh, every person that contributes a question, help them to realize that they're not just questions on their heart or on their mind, uh, but that they are questions you've stirred up within them, not only to minister to themselves, but people all around the world. Thank you that we can have this ministry together during this time. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. Amen. All right. Amen. What a privilege. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, well you, you mentioned something right before we went on air, that it's uh, <laughs> some kind of data that uh, stump, did Stump day. the pastor yeah. day. Yes. Quick, Dave, tell me what Tisha B'Av is. <laughs> well... Interesting you should say that. I have no idea. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the best answer. Yeah. When you don't know. Well, I mean, I know, but I'd rather you. I like hearing you explain yeah, it. You know, you so. tell me. Yeah. What, you tell me, and I'll tell you if you're right. That's, about it. That, that's it. Yeah. Well, Tisha B'Av uh, is a really significant day on the Jewish calendar in that it is a Jewish feast day uh, that uh, commemorates, interestingly, a number of different tragedies that have happened in Jewish history down through time, including the destruction of the first and second temple. Uh, the, the main fast day of Tisha B'Av, uh, it literally means the ninth of Av, by the way. Av is the month in which it falls in the Jewish calendar. Uh, it falls in July or August uh, on our Gregorian calendar because the Jewish calendar is a 360-day lunar calendar. Ours is a 365-day solar calendar, so there's adjustments that, gets ma that get made over time. But uh, suffice it to say, uh, both temples were destroyed on the same calendar day. Hmm. And uh, that does seem a little bit more than coincidental. Yeah. And, uh, and so... Uh, in a sense, we could call this out-Bibling the Bible because uh, the Jewish people, because of this, because of the great mourning and devastation that came when first Solomon's temple went down, which was considered a, a, uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, just a spectacular edifice, uh, was destroyed by the Babylonians and all of its treasures hauled off to Babylon, uh, literally burned to the ground. You know, it's fascinating how uh, when you go to uh, Israel on a tour, especially when you're on uh, the uh, eastern side of Jerusalem, uh, around about the place where the Pool of Siloam is, you can see uh, the, the rock face of uh, the, the, uh, the, the slope going up to the main city of Jerusalem as it stands today, and in the middle of it looks like a black racing stripe. Hmm. And they said this is the burn uh, level 
from the destruction of the temple back in that time and the city of Jerusalem. And so uh, that happened to Solomon's temple. It also happened to uh, what we would call, well, I guess we could call it in a sense the third temple because the second temple uh, was uh, built under Zerubbabel and uh, some of the leaders of Israel that came back after the exile. But that second temple was refurbished uh, on a uh, a 60-year construction project overseen by Herod the Great. Uh, After it was completed, now you might recall in the book of Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jesus and his disciples were walking through there, and they said to the Lord, oh, look at these stones and these these adornments. Well, uh, you know, when they were saying these stones, they weren't just saying, boy, you know, this was made out of great material. Even if you go to Israel today, we're going in 2025. If you're interested, we can get you the information to uh, sign up and be a part of our tour. We get to see all these things. But, uh, boy, I had that look at these stones experience because there's a, a place you can go uh, on the uh, area that's known as the Western Wall, and uh, you can go underground to mm-hmm. see the uh, just the edifice that was built to support the Temple Mount area under Herod. Cool. And one of the most stunning sights that you see is they show you one stone that is perfectly put in place. You cannot fit a piece of paper in between it. It's just uh, solidly in there that weighs more than four 747 jumbo jets. Mm. And no one knows the technology or the techniques they use to be able to move a stone yeah. of that immensity and be able to place it into this this uh, uh, wall with such precision. Wow. You just look at it and you go, wow. Yeah. You know, and it always raises that question. I wonder if it's possible that people back then were smarter than we give them credit for. <laughs> Yeah, the answer is always resounding. Smarter than us, that can't can't be possible. But uh, when Jesus showed that they were looking at the temple area, the temple itself, he said, not one of these stones will be left upon another that is not uh, cast down. Mm. And that just seemed absolutely incredible, uh, unbelievable to the disciples uh, as they heard that. And yet, uh, when uh, the the, uh, Romans under Titus came and uh, laid siege to Jerusalem. Uh, one of the things that happened was the temple was one of the most defensible places in Jerusalem. So once the walls were breached, that's where people went. And so the Romans uh, focused their attention on the temple edifice itself. Now they were given orders by their commander, uh, Titus Vespasian, not to d- damage this structure because it was built by Herod the Great, who was a client of Rome. Uh, but uh, apparently, after they had cleared out all of the uh, individuals trying to take refuge in there, uh, a couple of Roman soldiers, curious about what was going on inside, one of them looked in a window and held out a torch and accidentally dropped the torch. Mm -hmm. Uh, The inside of the temple area ignited, and the incredible opulent gold that was used on the inside melted down in between the stones. And so after the fire was finally extinguished, uh, the Romans came in and salvaged all of that gold by not leaving one stone upon another. Jesus' prophecy perfectly, uh, specifically fulfilled. So these uh, events obviously are uh, indelibly uh, written upon the the hearts of the Jewish people. Mm. As, As you know, pious Jewish people pray Uh, every Passover that their generation would be considered worthy 
uh, to be uh, the one that would see the rebuilding of the temple. Many of them believe that the sign of the coming of the Messiah himself is that he will lead them in rebuilding their temple, which sets them up for a lot of deception. We can talk about that if you're curious about that. Mm -hmm. But the the bottom line is on this day, uh, people would fast. And the only time that Tishba Av is mentioned in Scripture is it's uh, mentioned in the book of Zechariah, believe it or not. Uh, We are told uh, that uh, a delegation uh, was sent to uh, Zechariah, and uh, they asked, should we weep in the fifth month and fast as we've done for so many years? Well, the fifth month, ninth day, is Tish Ba'av. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, say to the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me, for me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous and the south and the lowlands were inhabited? Uh, He goes on to say, thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true justice, show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to heed, shrugged their shoulders, and stopped their ears so they could not hear. Yes, they made their heart like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened just as he proclaimed it. And they would not hear, and they went and called out. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them, so that no one passed through or returned." You know, and, and again, what God goes on to promise in the next chapter is that there was going to be a, a future for Jerusalem. Mm. But don't make the mistakes of the past. Mm. Uh, you know, one of the most important things that I think we need to understand is, I guess in the words of the philosopher Santiana, those who fail to learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons that we have an Old Testament, we need to pay attention to our Old Testament, is this. Boy, when you see how the kings of the Old Testament behaved themselves politically, spiritually, uh, ethically, you you discover something. Uh, Politics as usual has been politics as usual for the last 4,000 years. Nothing's really changed. And so when we see how politicians behave in our day, we're so shocked. We think this is unprecedented. (laughs) But one of the things that I think is, in a sense, is comforting and convicting at the same time is to see that human nature hasn't changed but neither is God's faithfulness. And that's where the comfort comes in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in the book of Romans, chapter 15, in verse 4, we are told, but whatever things were written beforehand, referring to the Old Testament, were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I point that out is there are those in evangelicaldom, whatever that means these days, who will say, oh, you don't need to read the Old Testament. That doesn't really have anything to say to us as believers today. You need to unhitch your faith from the Old Testament. Well, that would have come as a shock to the Apostle Paul, uh, for sure. And uh, certainly, that would have come as a shock uh, to Jesus, who quoted freely from the Old Testament. It certainly, uh, I think, explains another phenomena. People say, man, I tried to read the book of Revelation, and yeah, it just got lost. I just couldn't understand it. Well, maybe one of the reasons we can't understand it is this. There are over 404 Uh, Old Testament quotations in the book of Revelation alone, quotations and allusions. So if you don't understand the previous 65 books of the Bible, good luck with number 66. 
It's kind of like trying to, uh, you know, uh, discover what's going on in a murder mystery by reading the last four pages of the book. Right. Well, well, why would the butler do it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, really important for us to be able to learn from the past, to be able to learn some of these life lessons, and to understand uh, that God is patient, he is compassionate, he is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, but he is also very just. Yes. And sooner or later, we reap what we sow if we're not very, very careful. That's right. That's right. So, wow. Well, so thanks for sharing Tish that. Tish how about that? Yeah. <laughs> and you were right, by the way, what you shared. That was yeah. absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other goodie I wanted to share yeah. with you all. Uh, this is uh, this is a question that gets asked us, and I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if it's in the uh, K as, uh, as you would say in uh, jolly old England. Uh, but uh, today uh, there was a hearing on Capitol Hill uh, where a UFO whistleblower told uh, South Carolina Representative Nancy Mace that not only does the United States have recovered spacecraft from UFOs, but they also have uh, non-human biological remains of space monkeys. So, uh, <laughs> how again, reliable is this? Again, uh, this individual testifying uh, was named David Grush. He is a former U.S. intelligence official. He told uh, members of this Senate or this uh, House committee uh, that he had knowledge of a multi-decade decade unidentified anomalous phenomena. Uh, UAP uh, retrieval program, including what he called biologics. He was one of three retired military veterans who testified about uh, what we used to call UFOs. They call them UAPs now. Uh, warning the signings are a national security problem and that the government has been too secretive about them. Here's your money quote from Ryan Graves, a former Navy pilot who now runs America for Americans for Safe Aerospace. Uh, that encourages pilots to report UAPs. If it says, if UAPs are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are a concern for flight safety. It's kind of hard to argue with that. Um, again, uh, Graves and uh, David Fraber, a retired Navy commander, testified about their own sightings while they were serving in the military, Grush uh, alleged the government covered up research into these things uh, and uh, said he reported his information to the intelligence community inspector general to no avail. He said the technology that we faced was far superior than to anything we had uh, concerning the encounter that he had with UAPs and why they're a security threat. He said the issue is an issue of government transparency, said Representative Tim Burchett, a Tennessee Republican who pushed to hold Wednesday's hearing. We're not bringing little green men or flying saucers into the hearing, although Grush seems to indicate they've got them on ice. Uh, we're just going to get to the facts. We're going to uncover the cover-up, and hopefully this is just the beginning of many more hearings. No current government officials testified at the hearing. In April, Sean Kirkpatrick, director of the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which the Congress created to focus in on this issue, told a Senate subcommittee the U.S. government was tracking 650 potential cases of unidentified aerial phenomena. He played video from two episodes, and he emphasized there was no evidence of extraterrestrial life. His office found no credible evidence of objects that defy the known laws of physics. So 
what are we dealing with here? Mm. Uh, well, some people will say that uh, uh, the truth is out there, like the old X-Files mm-hmm. used to say. Others will say, well, I guess it depends what you mean by the truth. Is this what they would call a, a psyops operation, mm-hmm. something that uh, the government gets involved with to distract from larger issues going on? Oh, look, a squirrel, except this squirrel kind of has the, uh, you know, the antenna coming up ahead, behind yeah. it. Uh, you know, the, the fact that this is getting traction and is being uh, explored uh, on Capitol Hill by you know, allegedly more conservative members of Congress, I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, what we're seeing here from a prophetic point of view uh, could be significant. Uh, you know, when mm-hmm. we talk about UFO phenomena, the more you study it, especially people who say they've had encounters of, uh, you know, uh, close encounters of the third kind, mm-hmm. uh, where they actually come in contact uh, with these uh, craft or see these creatures or even close encounters of the fourth kind where they actually have communication mm. with supposed uh, creatures. Uh, the, the fascinating thing is how spiritual the messages are. Uh, these uh, contactee phenomena uh, individuals will say that these creatures go out of their way to say that either Jesus was one of them or that uh, whatever you do, don't believe in Jesus. They will, you know, again, mm. make these kind of specific things, really push the uh, evolutionary worldview and that mankind is in the process of perfection and that they're here to sort of shepherd us along, mm. uh, you know, that we're dangerous at this stage and they may have to intervene and so on. Uh, you know, I, I think it's fascinating that there is this spiritual heft behind it. And what we're really seeing you know, when you take a look at it, is in the 1800s, there was the uh, the mysticism movement, uh, fortune tellers, uh, people wanting to receive messages from beyond, and uh, these uh, seances and these psychics and so on would uh, produce messages that were virtually indistinguishable from the kind of messages that people receive from these so-called UFO uh, phenomena. Are people seeing things? Are they encountering things? that are unex- inexplicable from a scientific point of view, I think it's very possible mm. uh, because uh, even Jacques Vallée, who is considered one of the most eminent UFO researchers and level-headed UFO researchers of the last 50 years, uh, finally came to the conclusion that he felt that UFO phenomena was not physical but rather spiritual mm. in its nature, that it was interdimensional, uh, that these were not craft from another planet, but maybe from a different dimension, mm. uh, read a spiritual dimension. And when we begin to see how popular culture is uh, pushing this uh, multiplicity of dimensions and uh, the ability to go from one to the other, especially like the Marvel movies that emphasize that magic and spells and so forth are the key to this higher knowledge or being able to access these other realities and so on. Uh, It does seem like the same kind of uh, essential uh, mysticism that has been pushed by the occult for years and years and years, dressed up and technologically uh, gussied up for a modern audience. Mm. You know, whenever I hear somebody say, well, you know, we're being visited and uh, they're definitely here among us. And the lady on the airplane that said the guy next to me wasn't real and his eyes closed like a lizard and things like this. Uh, You know, you you hear all of this stuff going on. 
but the the thing that I think uh, we're seeing is is this: people say, "Well, you know, we the government can't reveal what they know about uh, you know the Federation of Planets or uh, we're being visited or these things because people would freak out. Our, our culture would collapse." I go, what culture are you talking about? We are bombarded. I mean, if someone said, oh, yeah, the United Federation of Planets showed up for first contact, you go, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's about uh, time. I, I saw that on Star Trek. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, it was Han, it was Han Solo there. I, I'd like to meet Chewie, you <laughs> yeah. know? I mean, uh, the, the interesting thing to me is this. Uh, it does say that uh, when the Antichrist comes to power, uh, he, the Lord is going to allow strong deception to fall upon those who did not receive the love and the truth to be saved. Uh, it doesn't mean weak deception. It means strong deception. One conservative commentator talking about all this said, uh, yeah, this all sounds a little crazy. Uh, if they want me to believe it, uh, I need proof. Well, what greater proof could someone need than, say, Revelation 13? where you have the Antichrist receiving a mortal head wound that's miraculously healed. Mm. Uh, that his protege, the false prophet, calls down fire out of heaven. And you talk about AI and the singularity. They make an image of the beast and cause it to come to life. Uh, so, you know, people say, well, seeing's believing. And if you don't buy into the Bible, you don't understand biblical prophecy, well, sure, you're gonna believe that. So, uh, could this be stage setting? for that great deception? Quite possibly. Uh, just uh, take these things with a humongous grain of salt. Yes. Uh, I just think it's always interesting that these people, oh, they swore under oath before Congress. Well, you know, gosh, I think you can get a ticket for that these days. Yeah. yeah. So uh, not real credible, yep. at least in, in my understanding. I'm very skeptical about these things. But I do think there's a spiritual dim dimension that we need to be mm -hmm. aware of. Uh, that that we're not taken in by all of this, right? No. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So well, couple you. couple things to pay attention to. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Thank you for that. Um, well, we have some some questions coming in. Yeah. Some really really good questions here. Awesome. Um, question from Lazo: When does the marriage supper of the Lamb take place? Uh, will some people miss dinner, or do we all get to take part in the marriage supper <laughs> of the Lamb? I sure hope we don't all miss dinner. Uh, I love that. Um, <laughs> The marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah, is, what is that? I mean, is, is described for us in the book of Revelation, chapter nineteen. Uh, the interesting thing uh, about Revelation nineteen is it speaks uh, about a particular time frame. It gives us a little bit of a, uh, a heads up chronologically as to when this is going to go on. Uh, the the phrase that we see here after these things, it's the Greek word metatata. It's all over the book of Revelation. That's why I believe the book of Revelation isn't just a bunch of uh, endless uh, nonsensical symbols tossed into a wearing blender and put on puree. Mm. Uh, it's a very easy book to follow. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19 tells us that uh, the book of Revelation outlines itself uh, with Jesus telling John, write the things which you've seen. That is the image of the glorified Jesus mm. that John had seen in his vision. The things which are which are the letters to the seven churches in Revelations chapter Revelation chapters two and three. There's only one revelation in Revelation. That's the revelation of Jesus, by the way. Uh, pet peeve of mine when people call it revelations, <laughs> and I almost did it. Uh, but uh, but anyway, shame on you. Shame on me. 
But uh, anyway, then the things will take place after these things. Well, the first metatata, uh, the first after these things that we see is Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. After what things? The things of the church. And uh, we hear this uh, command come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Well, John sees the glorified Jesus, and then we're off to the races. Well, there are sections of the book of Revelation that are quite symbolic, but uh, the thing that I love about prophecy in general, and the book of Revelation in specific, is when it gets into symbolism, it's really good about telling us that we're in a symbolic spot. Mm. Uh, and when it isn't telling us, you know, like I saw a great sign in heaven, yeah, okay, we're yep. into the symbolic here. <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, you know, even that shouldn't really throw us because every symbol that we find in the book of Revelation is either explained in the text itself mm. or is a throwback to a reference in the Old Testament that explains what we're seeing mm. in the book of Revelation. Mm. So you do your homework, you can follow along. It's challenging for sure, yeah. but very rewarding. Now, yeah. uh, I, all these things just to say, Revelation 19 throws another one of these metatatas after this. What, after what things? Well, the destruction of the last day's world religious system, mm-hmm. mystery Babylon, uh, the great, and then uh, Babylon, the Babylonian economic system that is going to dominate the world. Both of these things are absolutely judged. Prior to this time, we've seen the last volley of God's judgments on a Christ-rejecting world take place even the point where there's no longer any drinkable water Mm. left on earth Uh, all that remains is for jesus to return and so we see these things building to a fever pitch meanwhile back at the ranch uh, or back in heaven what's going on in heaven Mm. well we could ask that question well after these things i heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying hallelujah salvation and glory and honor power uh, belongs to the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he's judged the great harlot, referring to the false religious system who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he's avenged on her the blood of his servants who were uh, shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia, the smoke, uh, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. Interesting, the term alleluia appears here again in Scripture Mm. after an absence that uh, has spanned centuries. Mm. The last time we hear the term hallelujah was in the Psalms. Now it's back. Wow. Wow. Uh, Really interesting. And, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as of the sound of many waters and the sound of many thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous act, acts of the saints. And he said, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, And he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm. So here we see the marriage supper of the lamb going on. And it appears uh, that the marriage supper of the lamb uh, is going to happen when the last individual who is going to be saved in this particular avenue and area of human experience before Jesus actually returns to earth Mm. is gathered into the kingdom. Mm. Uh, In other words, the full amount of individuals are going to come 
to know the Lord at that time. That means Old Testament saints, people that put their faith in Jesus, looking forward to what he would do when he would come based upon the revelation they had. That means New Testament saints like you and me that were taken up at the rapture. That means tribulation saints, because we're told that Mm. there's people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue that are going to come to know the Lord during this particular time. It, It means, again, saved Israel. All Israel will be saved during this particular time. Mm. So here we see uh, this this conglomeration, if you will, all people who've gone into heavenly glory, there's still gonna be some survivors that are gonna make it here on earth for when Jesus returns and go into his thousand year reign. Mm. But uh, the sum total of all those people that have died and gone to heaven or have been raptured and are in heavenly glory mm. are going to be invited to this great feast. Now, we are referred to as the bride of Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 5 and and 6 makes this very, very plain. Uh, So what we need to understand is this is going to be a celebration of this special relationship that God gives us as this odd group of Jews and Gentiles that he has gathered together into a relationship with him from the time uh, that Jesus ascended into heaven to the time that he returns Mm -hmm. and sets his feet back here on earth again. Mm -hmm. Those who are raptured, those who are part of the church, the body of Christ are going to be part of all of this. And uh, those uh, who aren't technically a part of the body of Christ, Old Testament saints, are going to be invited to this, uh, kind of like guests of the bridegroom, if you will, and be able to rejoice with us. But there's going to be a very special place for us at this uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. But it does appear that this marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place somewhere in that seven-year period, from the time of the rapture to the time of the second coming, because immediately after this description of the marriage supper of the Lamb, the next thing on the docket, according to Revelation chapter 19 and verse uh, 11, is that heaven is opened, Jesus returns, and uh, his people return with him, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, just as we saw uh, the church being described. We're going to come back with Jesus and rule and reign with him. So that's really, I think, the best place to put that particular event. So what's going on with believers who've died and are in heaven right now? Uh, I think they're enjoying the presence of the Lord. Mm. Uh, How they experience time in that environment, I'm not sure. Maybe to them, it's gonna just seem like that and all these events are gonna go down. Um, Maybe they're gonna just enjoy the presence of God during this time from the first and second coming and so on. Uh, We really don't know. We'll find out when we get there. Uh, Bible's not really specific on that because a need-to-know basis, and apparently we don't, we don't need, need to know. To know. So. Yeah. But we'll all have dinner together, yeah, is exactly. the bottom line. Yes. Exactly. Well, and, and, and I mean, one thing that I just add about the marriage supper of the Lamb is that uh, Jesus made the statement that uh, there would be people from uh, the four corners of the earth uh, that would come and sit down uh, at the great feast he would prepare, hmm. and that he himself would serve them. Yeah. And that that boggles my mind, because that means in your life, Dave, and in my life, there's going to be a moment where we're going to be at this amazing uh, party, this banquet that the Lord himself is going to put on, mm-hmm. which is amazingly amazing enough. And there's going to be uh, this wonderful food that is served, and we'll be able to smell it cooking. And, and then when it's presented, we'll be able to be sitting there. I don't know if I'm going to be sitting across from Moses or you know, Peter, or, yeah. you know, but it's going to be or just quite, like, just quite, me and maybe you, you and me. Disappointing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I know all the but, but, but anyway, uh, we're going to be there and we're going to be served. And that, that dish of this food is going to be placed in front of us by a nail scarred hand. Yeah. 
That, that, that boggles my mind. I don't yeah. know if it boggles your mind, but that, that blows me away. Very humbling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. Yes. Amazing. So yeah. good stuff. You think Beautiful. heaven's boring, you don't know heaven. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Cannot wait. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. I remember when I was young, I, I went to a church that was a lot of senior saints, a lot of old people. And then there was a, a good group of people that were, you know, around 20 years old as I was at the time. And they would always talk about like, oh, maybe today's the day Jesus is coming. So, and I remember thinking, I don't want Jesus to come yet. Like I wanna, I wanna get married. I wanna have kids. Yeah. I wanna. Da, da. Yeah. As I get older, I'm like, I'm ready. Any yeah. day. Any time. <laughs> How silly I was. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, no, please. Ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, that's all right. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Well, great. Well, as I thank you for that question, hope that that helps you out. You won't miss dinner. Don't worry about it. As long as you are, as long as you call Jesus for a reservation, of course. Um, question from Tony: uh, Are there scriptures that provide guidance on euthanasia for pets um, that are dying? And he has a follow-up question about whether animals go up or down or don't go anywhere. It's interesting. I became a, a dog owner about uh, a, a year ago, I guess, for the first time. And um, about six months ago, my dog became very sick. And she was in hospital. cost me lots of money. Oh, but I started to ask myself that question, where, how far do I go with um, her care? I talked to other pet owners who were like, well, we have a budget. You know, if it's going to be more than X amount, then we just have... We know we say we put them down that kind of thing and it's like wow that's quite a responsibility to yeah to decide obviously if it was a my child or a human you you do everything you sell your house to save them but with a pet i think people have varying degrees of um expense that they're willing to go towards so i don't know does the bible give us any well and, and i mean it's such a, a different situation right now i mean uh, there are uh pet oncologists today <laughs> right <laughs> i mean it used to be yeah oh Looks like old Yeller over there ain't looking a little peaked. Yeah. Oh wow! I guess he passed away. <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we want to know why. Yeah, you know, but uh, but you know, it's it's not the same situation. It does provide some some real challenges. And again, um, you know, I uh, had the experience of putting down uh, one of our beloved cats. Mm. Uh, Few was his name, and uh, he was really bonded to me. Uh, and you know, early on when he was a kitten got bit in the face by a rattlesnake. I was doing a reason for hope uh, when we were on radio yep. and we had uh, breaks in between segments because we were syndicated. And uh, my uh, wife calls me in during one of the commercial breaks and I'm hearing the kids crying, I'm hearing this cat yowling, says, oh my gosh, a rattlesnake bit few in the face. <sighs> and uh, well, we don't know what to do. And the kids are crying, the yeah. cat's yelling. And yeah, well, here's the vet, the vet says, uh, it'll be $1,300 to give your cat the anti-venom. Mm. And I've got like 30 seconds till I go back <laughs> on the air. I've got to make a decision. Tick -tock, tick -tock, and I went, tick -tock. all right, okay, go yeah. ahead. And, uh, you know, I think the cat knew somehow that I had made that decision because it would never leave me alone after really? that. I just really bonded. <laughs> My savior. And all that. But, you know, it was never quite right after that as well. I had, a, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, maladies and all this. And, mm. you know, we, we bought few and uh, his sister, Precious, Prey as we call her. Prey's still alive. She's over 20 years old. Wow. But, uh, but you know, few got sicker and sicker, had this uh, continual problem with, with wheezing and not being able to breathe, wasn't eating, wasn't drinking, took the vet. They just said, well, there's not really much we can do, mm. you know, for him at this point and just really looked like he was suffering. And so we prayerfully decided that he, since he wasn't going to get better, that because he was suffering, you know, we would all get together as a family and spend our last minutes with few and 
pray for him and and uh, you know they gave him the shot to put him to sleep while the kitten was in my arms and it was mm. a very emotional experience yeah. you know for me it's not an easy thing to do mm-hmm. but there's a scripture that kind of guided me in all of this in mm. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 10 it says a righteous man regards the life of his animal but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel so there's this huh. kindness and cruelty that we see uh, portrayed in this passage and if my desire to say have this pet around uh, puts this pet in a place of intense pain and suffering that is not going to get better, yep. uh, then that's cruelty. That's mm. selfishness. That's just me thinking, okay, what's best for me? Or, oh, I don't want to be the one who gives the order or something like that. I, I think that has an awful lot to do with our decisions uh, along that line. Mm. Um, you know, the other factors that have to be involved obviously involve stewardship if someone says to you uh yes we can save your pet but it's going to cost you eight thousand dollars well you might want to get a second opinion Mm. on that uh and you know again pray about it think about it you know i come from a long line of animal lovers uh my folks have a a dog uh, that had a problem with its pancreas and needed surgery and and it was an incredibly expensive procedure, but they loved the dog so much they yep. decided to do it. So full disclosure, I tend to be more on the side of wanting to demonstrate the compassion and kindness of God. God has given us dominion over his creation, not to exploit it, not to inflict pain uh, upon it in an unnecessary sense. But uh, you know, the other side of it that we need to understand is this, there's a difference between caring for your animal and caring for your family. And if it's a choice between, am I going to care for my family or care for this animal? Well, then you've got to make this call that the one who doesn't provide for his own household uh, has denied the faith and is worse than a Mm non-believer. So, you know, there's there's obviously priorities there. But, um, you know, again, showing kindness and compassion to the creatures that God has made uh, that reflect his image and his, his, maybe not his image in the same way we do, but reflect his glory, mm-hmm. his creativity. And we get to reflect the image of God by demonstrating kindness uh, to these animals. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. And that's uh, a great a great scripture that maybe many people aren't aware that it's in there. Like that gives great guidance. And maybe even if you, you know, thinking about becoming a pet owner, like pulls in to think about the financial commitment of that. You know, and um, if you're not, you know, knowing that there may be some expenses as they get older or whatever, yeah. just just think through that. Yeah, start out with goldfish. See if you can <laughs> see right. if you can handle that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then then, right. then move move up. Yeah, you know, hamsters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I fostered my dog first to to want to make sure it was gonna, you know, we were gonna get along and fit in lifestyle and things like that. But she just didn't give me any reason to not uh, fully adopt and, and her. And you've had to invest. Uh, pretty significant a lot thing. of money yeah. yeah and that was it i was like well, how far do i go and in the end i I said just let me bring her home and because she was getting better slowly and she came home and she made a turnaround she just wanted to be home and loved and you know praise god but it cost a lot of money but it was it yeah. was tough you know yeah, how a, far do i go it's a different world than living out on the farm yeah <laughs> yeah you know you just take them out back and whatever yeah. well or, you know just nature would run its course yeah you know, so, right yeah. and so the, the follow-up question is do you know do animals go to heaven or do they go to the dark place or <laughs> do we need to witness to our pets well that, it's 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 a it's a great question 
And some people say, well, no, only human beings do because, you know, God breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. That makes us different from any other creature. Well, I understand all of that, but we are told in no uncertain terms that there are animals in heaven. Uh, we were talking about Revelation chapter 19. Mm -hmm. We're told that when Jesus returns, he's going to be riding a white horse. Uh, we are told that when we return with him, all of us are going to be riding on white horses. So if you're ever one of those kids who said, Mom, Dad, I want a pony. Yep. Well, you're going to get one. <laughs> a heavenly <laughs> pony. So, you know, my, my uh, I, I guess the default position is this. Um, you know, if we have compassion on an animal and, you know, they, they really mean the world to me, I guess my default is going to Psalm 16 and verse 11, where it says, In your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mm -hmm. We get to heaven, we're going to be able to see everything the way God sees it. Nobody's going to be in heaven and go, Gee, heaven is great, but I really miss my house pet. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to say that. Right. Uh, it's, it's going to be joy everlasting. However, if what it means to experience fullness of joy to you in your relationship with God, because God deals with each of us uniquely and, and specifically, he fashions our heart individually and considers all of our deeds, mm -hmm. Psalm 33 tells us. But if that's the case, if heaven wouldn't be fullness of joy for you without being able to experience glorified, you know, few or, you know, glorified <laughs> Fido or whatever your pet is, uh, I think God's going to take care of that. Yeah. I, I, I don't think anybody's going to go, well, you know, Lord, it's great, but yep. you know, I think you dropped the ball. Nobody's going to say right. God dropped the ball there. So I think we can trust him with that. And uh, when we get there, we're going to see, once again, the verdict on Jesus is consistent. He does all things well. Right. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We can certainly leave it there. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, great uh, question, Tony. I hope that helps you out. Thanks for that question. That's uh, a great thing to talk about. Um, question, this is a great question. You're going to love this. It's a really, really good, <laughs> big, uh -oh. huge, uh -oh. fundamental question. Uh -huh. Are all members of the Trinity the same and have the same respect, or does one rank higher than the other? So the Trinity, what a beautiful yeah. and mysterious Yeah, you know, thing. there's a... There's one a, God, three persons, what? Yeah, there's a fascinating <laughs> scripture uh, that we find that kind of raises uh, this issue uh, where, you know, Jesus himself is talking about his uh, relationship uh, with his heavenly father. Uh, and uh, again, uh, we see that Jesus in his earthly ministry was submitted to the will of, of the father. Uh, he talks about his father is greater than he is. And so some cult groups would say, well, see, Jesus isn't God because he said the Father is greater than he is. But that term greater is really interesting, especially in the original language. It carries the idea of administrative function. Hmm. You know, when we talk about the doctrine of the Trinity, maybe this is the best place to start, is to understand what it's actually saying, what it actually teaches. Hmm. Uh, it teaches that there is one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Maybe the most succinct uh, scripture we could point to that points this out is found in the book of Matthew 28 and verse 18. Uh, there we read, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, 
of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, notice it doesn't say the names. It says the name, singular. Now, that tells us something. The Bible says there is one and only one God. The book of Isaiah uh, makes it very, very clear. Is there any other God? I know not one, God himself says. So there's one God who exists in three persons. Jesus himself claimed to be God. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. The Holy Spirit is proclaimed to be God in that he is referred to as being omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful. He is also uh, identified in uh, the book of Acts chapter 5 when uh, Simon Peter said to uh, Ananias, you have not lied to men but to God, he was referring to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not an influence, an impersonal force. He is a person and he is God. Jesus is God the Son. Uh, He is not, in a sense, God Jr., like the Father's really God, and he's just sort of a God-like being. Uh, No, we're told in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now notice, with God and was God. So these truths that we we see within the Scripture, why do we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity? Well, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. Well, the word Trinity is a shorthand for a number of truth claims that we know about God. Number one, there is only one God. Number two, he is manifested in three persons, or as Don Stewart would say, centers of consciousness that identify themselves as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each are distinct in person, but one in unity is God. The distinction in person that we see, Jesus' baptism. Jesus, God the Son, is in the water being baptized. The heavens open, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends upon him. A voice comes from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We see the distinction in persons, yet we are told that they are one in essence as God. And so, you know, when we get into questions about the Trinity and we begin to understand that this is uh, not something that we teach because it's easy, it's not something that we teach because, uh, you know, it's just our thing. It is the only way that we can look at what the Bible says about the essential nature of God and not make statements that are at odds, in a sense, with each other. Right. You know, for instance, when, when people say, well, there's only one God, and that's Jesus, and sometimes Jesus puts on a father hat, and right. sometimes he acts like the Spirit. Well, you have a really hard time uh, reconciling that yeah. with uh, Jesus' baptism. Uh, when you say there's, uh, well, you know, maybe there's three distinct gods, like Mormonism would say, uh, well, you have a hard time with the statement that we find in Scripture, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we take a look at these Scriptures, we realize that this doctrine is saying all of these things about God, uh, affirming all these things about God, without denying any of the things that the Bible says about God. Now, as far as uh, my father's greater than I, well, you know, although all members of the triunity are equal as God, it is very clear in Scripture that all of them have, uh, in a sense, a different job to do. A great uh, Scripture to look at in all this is uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. We see that it was the Father who predestined us for salvation. We see it was the Son who provided salvation by dying for us on the cross, and it was the Holy Spirit that made salvation personal by revealing the truth to us and sealing us into God's forever family. All three members of the Trinity 
in one purpose to give us salvation, but have distinct and different roles in the giving of our salvation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when we say, when Jesus said the Father is greater than I, well, at that point, yeah, uh, Jesus willingly submitted himself Mm -hmm. to the will of the Father. Philippians chapter 2, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So although he existed in the form of God, where morphe means the absolute essence of who God is. He did not not uh, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a a bondservant and being found in the likeness of men. In, In other words, when Jesus became a man, he did not cease to be God, but he did take on a human nature. And in taking on that human nature, because he's going to be our representative, uh, we, needed, we need to understand that he submitted to the Father's will, relied on the power of the Holy Spirit just as we have to, yeah. not because he needed to, mm. but because he voluntarily chose to do so. Mm. So, you know, again, uh, in his earthly ministry, the Father, again, has this administrative role. Jesus was there to do his will. He relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish all of this. He lived the perfect life, laid down that perfect life to save us. So all members of the Trinity getting involved in the process. Yeah, so that's beautiful. Yeah. It's a great encouragement for us to submit to our roles as well in in the church, in, yeah. in marriage, and things like that, where we you know we have a role. Doesn't mean we're better or worse or superior, but right. just roles that we have. Right. You know? a, a general is not a superior human being to a private. They right. just have a different rank, a different job. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Well, we're out of time for today. <laughs> Stick around. We're going live again um, in, in 30 minutes here. Our, our service here at CCF. We hope you can stick around for that. If not, we'll see you back here same time, same place tomorrow. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word. One question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.